what made it obvious? You know, like what was the obvious turn in the story that made you want to turn turn it into a a black comedy as opposed to playing it like a straight thriller? The film is, is based on a on a book on a novel uh, written by one of my my childhood friends, and we come from that area where we are actually shot the film. In that way, we are familiar with the tone, the the culture. There's a certain dark, dry uh, humor uh, to towards life over there. When I talked to, to Alan uh, at, at the first, he, he told me he was writing a Danish Western novel, and he told me about the story, and I immediately saw those uh, wide-angle images of, of the landscape, the, of that marshland. So, so right from the start, I, I, we wanted to start it up as a Danish Western, and slowly it, it would turn into more While watching it, the style that, that I noticed that seemed most indebted to, because you went with a dark comedy thriller as opposed to a straight thriller, very much like the Coen brothers, especially Blood Simple, was that a coincidence or a direct influence? I, I wouldn't say it's a direct influence. Of course, I have seen the, Coen, uh, the film of the Coen brothers, and, and, and my DP and production designer has seen the, film, uh, the films as well. But we have seen a lot of directors. Uh, I think um, I think they have they have been seen uh, the films of Alfred Hitchcock uh, when they were young and kids, uh, as I have. So maybe uh, we have a common uh, influence in, in, in Alfred Hitchcock, and and he he Hitchcock has has of, of course seen other directors before him. So I think it's more uh, you are kind of familiar or. You belong to a certain way, a certain tone of telling your stories. Uh, and of course, there's uh, similarities to the tone. Uh, we didn't sit down and, and, and take specific uh, films and, and, and specific themes. Hey, we had to be how they... We talked about, of course, we talked about the work of the Combs and David Lynch and, and Jim Jamos and so on. And, and I think when we talk, you talk about those, those guys, you're you immediately know the essence of their style. And, and it's more or less, when you drop names or discuss names, you, 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 you immediately sense the essence. And that's, that's how we work. Uh, and uh, when my DP said, ah, I want to like it, uh, it shall be cone-like, then, then it's, it's not specific things, it's more the essence of the cone brothers, of the work of, uh, of those. And, and, uh, and their DP were the deacons. Part, part of the reason I ask that is because a lot of the Coen Brothers movies are insincere about their own topic, which is not a, you know, a slate against them. That's just their, their tone. That they, they make a genre film, but they don't, they're not really serious about it at all. But what, one of the serious films they made, according to what you just said, because you said that it's based on a novel, but it's a true story. Novel suggesting that it's fiction. And Fargo is pretending to be on a, based on a true story as well, and that's one of their serious films that doesn't make fun yeah. of itself the whole time. Is is the movie is terribly happy based on a real thing or is it based is the novel based on an interpretation of a real thing? Mm, yeah, kind of a real thing and an interpretation also the Alan, the writer, he, he uh, actually he wrote uh, he wrote a novel before uh, Terribly Happy which I wanted to make a film out of. 
and and uh, but I couldn't get the first one. Uh, another director had, had already got got hold of it. So he told me about the new idea, and and that idea was about his uh, things happening to his uncle and aunt and cousin, uh, the, the dysfunctional family in in, in the. And he uses the real names. It's close to what really happened uh, to them. But it was a really dysfunctional family, and and and, and daughter was left uh, without her parents uh, when she was just nine or ten years old. But Erling, he has dramatized about uh, the real events. But but yeah, it, it's close to what what happened. The title, I'm assuming, refers is, is the novel, but it also seems to refer to the Zoloft that he's taking. And I, I don't know the political situation in which yours was made, but for instance, a movie like Terribly Happy, the way it plays in the U.S. is almost like a mocking of the way that drugs, especially antidepressants, have infiltrated society and nobody can feel anything anymore. Like, it, you know, everyone sort of becomes happily complacent if absent-minded and a zombie. And while watching the movie, it's not that you're, the characters don't care, it's that they're just complacent, and, and it's, like, it's like a virus. Like, oh, there's, a, there's a remake of The Crazies, the Romero film that comes out here on Friday, and I saw that yesterday, and I kept thinking of your film while, while watching it, because uh, it's the same notion, the whole notion that, oh, well, you know, things will just go on, doesn't really matter. Uh, what are the political references that an American audience would not get in Terribly Happy? This could be a story about Denmark. We have a lot of uh, discussion, uh, political dis uh, discussion about uh, refugees trying to get uh, uh, to be integrated and to get asylum in this country. But we had a we have a really uh, right wing uh, government at, at the moment, and and they will not allow people. Uh, uh, getting in here, so we are placing refugees in, in, in camps where they can stay without having any decent life for years, five, eight, ten years. They live there without getting nowhere, and and the kids are getting ill, uh, mentally ill, and and the parents are a lot of them break down, and and some do suicide. And I think that's that's a kind of um, of a block uh, if you if you take the block in the film. That's where we put people that we don't want to have around us, that we can, we're not tolerant to them. They are different, and, and then we, we place them there. So, or you can, you can yeah, yeah, in fact, you can say it, this is a story about your own president, Mr. Barack Obama, coming to the White House with all the good intention and, and good high morality and try to, to, to change things, do things in, in a better way in his own opinion, and, uh, but, but behind him, there's this group of card players pulling the strings. You, you mentioned, I didn't quite catch it, if you mentioned the country where, in Denmark, where, where the people are, are fleeing from, if they're refugees, what country are they refugees from? They come from, from Eastern Europe, they come from Iraq, uh, Iran, uh, refugees, political refugees from those countries. So they want to be a part of, of our society, but, but we are keeping them we are yeah, putting them in, 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 in camps, refugee camps, and they're wait, just waiting and waiting and waiting to get a decent life, to get a yes or a no, and nothing. They just sit there for years. Is that idea sort of part of why you wanted to make Chinaman as well? Because it's also about immigration and sort of espionage to get someone into the country? 
think personally, I think the what, what I'm I'm more into is is, is the is the exile, the the personal exile, the the, the loner trying to, to to become a part of an environment. That's more, uh, yeah. That, that's what what drives me. The, the telling the, the story, I, I can uh, when I now I make uh, feature films, I can see there's a pattern of yeah of of uh, a guy, try, uh, a lonely guy trying to get uh, in, into a, a community, trying to to be recognized uh, among uh, the and and to belong to other people. So so I think that's that's more what what's in my mind. It's it's uh, the struggling uh, out of of the, the the person struggling out of its exile. Um, I mean, a couple of questions about Chinaman. I'll go back to terribly happy in a second. Now the, the the similarities between the two films, they both seem to begin with uh, job strife and you know families falling apart and sort of strident reactions and the man being completely ostracized from his family. Is that a coincidence, or is that something that you, you want to put in more future films? <laughs> uh, I, I, well, uh, actually, I'm sitting with a script right now, and it's totally the same. It, it's, a, it's a man <laughs> being, uh, being uh, yeah, uh, splitting off with, with his family and, and trying to, to start a new life. I, Maybe it's a, it's an accident, or maybe it's something that that uh, attracts to me without m- uh, my knowledge. But you're right. There's there's um, there's a kind of line in, in that, and maybe maybe it's not that accidental. And back to terribly happy. There's that yeah. moment where the cat rubs its head against the gun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you have to train the cat to do that, or did the cat just <laughs> improvise and you were happy with the improv? <laughs> You were the first one to ask me that. Well, I was, I was amazed uh, by that but, shot. I'm like, how did he get that? Yeah. <laughs> when I, I told the producer, I wanted to uh, have a cat. And we called it an, uh, an animal trainer. And he said, oh, I, I would like to give you a crocodile or something else. Just just not a cat. It's impossible. You can't get cats to do anything. But then he found he had one cat he knew about, it, a really disturbed cat that would maybe do something with us. And, and he got hold of it, and it was, it was really, I, I, I told him I wanted to, to put, put his face to the, to, to the, to the gun, and now uh, it will not do it, but, but let's give it a try. And then we, we rolled on the first rehearsal, uh, because we couldn't rehearse with the cat, and we did exactly what we wanted to do. Uh, so I, I was so amazed, that, but it did, it did uh, exactly what I wanted. Well, maybe, do. The, do you think the cat maybe understood that the, the moment was almost a perfect metaphor for the story, and it wanted to help out? <laughs> I don't know. My experience is when things, things go your way, you almost can't do anything wrong, because... Things turns out right, uh, and maybe maybe that that was part of it. And when when you are when you are in deep trouble, every small thing goes into trouble as well. So so maybe we, uh, it was just a part of of, of that uh, luck we had with the weather. We we were we went three weeks for for the and, and lived in the marshland, and it, it's a really tough place. And in in the fall time, there's uh, all there's always a storm and the rain going on, 
for the three weeks we were there, there was no storm, no rain, and we didn't lost any minutes in shooting there. The day after we left, the storm and the rain came for, for three months. So, so we had to have a lot of luck. So that's maybe just a part of it, the cat. Now, do you feel lucky that, uh, it's obviously a coincidence because you would have shot at the same time, but that um, you and Sam Raimi thought of the, or used, the best face smushes against a car window that had been ever done before in the same year, and that maybe this is the year of the face smush. In Drag Me to Hell, it's some, okay. some, some of the funniest yeah. scenes are, are where the main character is mushing her face trying to see in the parking lot, and you have one of the best shots where the wife, completely you know, sedated and drugged up, smashes her head against the window. And, and, and he, he kick it as well? Drag Me to Hell, it, the best scene in the movie is this parking lot scene. No, no, you didn't steal it, don't worry, because that came out in uh, t- uh, 2000, okay. 2009. No, 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 it's, and you have a, you've made a totally different movie. Sam Raimi makes, if, okay. you, if you're familiar, he, he didn't just make Spider-Man movies, he made like the Evil Dead movies, and, and Drag Me to Hell plays like Evil Dead 4. Maybe I've maybe I've seen the whole film. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, his came out in May of 2009. It, it came out October uh, in, in uh, several countries. So maybe he did, because that is the best moment in his movie, is, is where a character, uh, combined with the sound effect, is like trying to see. Now, you don't have the per- person awake, but I thought it was just as funny. Okay, I, w- I want to see that. So you worked a lot in Danish television. In America, there, isn't, there used to be a stigma of, of uh, directors going from television to making feature films. But, but it's kind of disappeared now because the directors have to work and sometimes people who make a lot of features will now go back to television. Now, in the Danish television industry, is that working in television like being an apprentice until you get allowed to uh, make a feature or is it there's just really no difference? It's just work. Partly, but there's a lot of directors. We, we have so many directors, so we, we cannot live by only doing feature films. Plus maybe they'll be shot about 20 feature films a year, and, and well, we are 80 directors. But then there's the, the, a lot of TV series going on, and, and that's the, the bread on the table. And, it's, uh, and people like to do it. it it's, it's rather funny, and you, you keep your, your work intact, and you try things out. You, you can really experiment on, on those TV series, because you are, you are not responsible. It's not your name on it. Yeah, it is, but people don't uh, don't mind and people don't know. So you you can try out some uh, different yeah camera angles, arrangements on the floor. You can yeah you can you can try uh, different things out, and that that's really really uh, inspiring. Uh, making those TV series, but those directors who can live by only doing feature films, uh, of course the. Uh, does it that way? Thomas Winterberg, the uh, uh, Pierre Flu, the uh, Trier, of course. There's, there's, a, there's four or five directors who, who are not forced to, to do uh, other work than, than the feature films. So, so, but I, I like I like doing it. It's, I think it's 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 fun and it's really really uh, inspiring because you. Yeah, I was going to say, you, it sounds like you rather enjoy it, and it tends to be even more creative because you're not worried about 
so much. I mean, you know, even Von Trier went back and made television because The Kingdom, one of his best, one of the best things he ever did is television. And even if you don't have have a character giving birth to Udo Kier, that doesn't mean you can't have fun with it. <laughs> you you meet a lot of actors that you maybe would not have met for your feature films. Yeah, you have more cards on your hand when when you are when you are going to do your feature film. You you are you have been in training and you have the you have had the discussions and the meetings with all those people. So 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 it's a really good exercise. In the U.S., Dogma ninety five was taken very seriously, which I found mysterious because it seems like one big elaborate joke. Because yeah. what happens is. You know, you take the name of the director off the movie, and then, but then the way that the movies are made, the only thing anyone remembers is who directed it. So that seems inherently <laughs> ridiculous. In, yeah. in, in Denmark, how was that movement taken? I mean, in this country, they have a equi- sort of equivalent called mumblecore that the filmmakers okay. hate. The filmmakers hate being called like part of the mumblecore movement. And that's as close as we got to dogma. But I, how, how was it, it seen in Denmark at the time, or even now? Well, now, now, now it's a kind of joke. I think everything that once was were, was really hit becomes uh, as much a joke uh, later on. So, um, first, firstly, when it came out, uh, people were well, just laugh, just another silly idea from the laugh from Korea. But when the the countries from outside, uh, internationally, suddenly respected that idea and 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 were. Then, then we had to take it serious uh, in a in a different way. Uh, in the first, they they wanted just they just wanted to make four dogma film, and then then it should be out uh, just as an experiment. But then, then by I don't know why, but it became such a, uh, an international success, and and then they suddenly made sixteen uh, dogma film in Denmark, and it it became more and more. Uh, yeah, it, it it turned it turned out more and more badly. Uh, I, I I don't remember any of the last fourteen dogma films. Um, I was invited into to I was invited to be one amongst the next four after country uh, and Winterberg. In in the first place, of course, I said yes because that that was a, a possibility to to play on another playground. But after several weeks by trying to to figure out an idea. It didn't appeal to me. I, I disliked the rules. I thought they were silly. I disliked the rule about the sound. Uh, there was a silly sound rule, and the visual, the image. I, I, I'm educated as a graphic designer. I have a strong sense of the visual side, and the dogma was was destroying the the visual the visuality, which I mean is the basis for of a film. You 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 go in to to see. Images that 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 it has a strong impact uh, on you, and and Dogma was all about destroying the the, the images. So I, I did like the, the the concept, and I I, I didn't um, find my way in it. So so I turned out of it, and I yeah I wanted to to make to, to frame in a different ways to in a different way, and and, and to make my image in a, in, a, in a different way. So so I I, I was not that. Um, Impressed by the dogma, but um, I will not also not underestimate what it did to Danish films. Surprisingly, it did a lot. But uh, yeah, I was surprised. 
Because it's funny, because you could have easily made terribly happy as one, because it technically is already following three or four of those rules, because it's not really a genre film, and it takes place in a small town, and there's nothing particularly artificial about what's going on. And it, no, but, but, but you mentioned you, you have to, uh, uh, in Dogma, you are not allowed to, to put the, the camera, you, you shall be handheld camera, the camera shall be oh, handheld. Oh, right, no, no, it would not, uh, your, your movie is better the way it is because of, the, simp simply for the surrealist use of, of uh, 235 ratio, it improves yeah. immensely than what would have been contrived, handheld, shaky cam experience, which I find... You know, I just, I just find the notion of dogma to be some kind of, like, joke that Lars von Trier made at a, at a dinner party and everyone was the yes-man around him and decided to do it. Uh, there's a rumor going on in Denmark. What happened was that Lars von Trier was the king of Danish films in, in, in the mid-90s. Mm -hmm. And then Thomas Winterberg came out of the film school and he was really talented. Mm -hmm. And everybody thought of him being the next to take over the... the, the the place of Lars von Trier at, at the international Danish director darling. So Lars von Trier figured out some rules that he he, he meant would <laughs> would kill uh, Thomas Winterberg and invited him in to be a part of it in in that hope that Thomas Winterberg would break his neck on that and and and, and Lars von Trier could keep his position. I don't know if that's the truth, but but it's a, it's a story going on. Yeah, but it's the problem and, is and that it's, the, it's, yeah. it's valid. It makes sense. I think it makes a lot of sense, but but please don't don't. I'm not the one that says. Oh no, I know stay, you, stay I know you, I know you didn't. But it's the kind of thing, considering uh, most people's view of von Trier as sort of a petulant teenager who who you know gets what he wants and. You know, I want, you know, He's a demon. yeah, one of those things like, you know, I know that he wants to be taken very seriously, but I thought Antichrist was kind of a joke on critics who try to analyze his films. And he, he, yeah, he, he, he's making, he, he knows what he does. And he's so, he's so, it's, it's, it's so much in his mind and he's, he's playing, he's playing around. Uh, yeah. The world is his playground and people, yeah, they they are just following him, him, him blindly. I, I think he, maybe the last ten years he hasn't brought anything to to table that that really uh, needs needs that respect as it has come. You said something interesting earlier because you thought dogma destroyed images, which is exactly what yeah. Montreal has been doing. Is that even breaking the waves was shot? I think on what thirty five then transferred to video, then back to 16, then back to 35, to give it that really strange, processed look. And I don't know why you would want to do that, but it seems... I don't know. Yeah, uh, it came, breaking the waist came before uh, Dogma, didn't it? Yeah, it, it did. did, but it's, it's like it was anticipating the notion of screwing up your own movie on purpose. Yeah. And I love, I, I, I love I that film, what... but I'm saying that, you know, he's... He deliberately ruined the images, which is a strange choice. But I, I think when you get on a certain level, when you uh, <laughs> yeah, when you have the power to do it, you can you think you can do everything, and people still will will uh, admire you, and that that's what's happening. And he, well, he has made some failures, and and he he has lost some 
some of his position. But I, I think that when you're on that level, look at the Blackboard film, the Dogwell and, and the Mandalay with the, I don't know how, what chalk, chalk lines are. Just, it, it, it's makes. I don't know, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't respect it. I think it's, it's making a fool of the audience, but, but they, well, I, they like it. I don't know why, but, but, uh, well, I mean, that's, get that's, cool with it. that's what I was going to ask. And I don't want to talk about him too much, but in terms of you know understanding the viewpoint of the Danish, which we have no understanding of at all, for instance, the way that the American audiences that do watch Von Trier films take them very seriously. Myself, I think of them like Michael Haneke's films, the Austrian director, in which his whole goal seems to be to ostracize the only audience who would have the patience to sit through his own movies. If you have the power to do that, then you'll then you'll do it. It's it's Tiger Tiger Woods, or it's it's it, when when you have the possibility when when you have achieved the position where you can make where you can um, shit on people. I think you'll do it. Well, I mean, he's obviously going to make the audience smaller and smaller. But in in Denmark, how is how is he viewed? Is he is he like Orson Welles, or is he, you know, in terms of like a someone who made a great film and then has has been trying to make another great film and the whatever has been considered well, against him for all this time, but I, he hasn't had that problem, but still, you know. Well, I, I don't, there's no, no doubt, uh, he, he's a kind of genius. He, he has brought so much to, 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 to the Danish films. We can't take that away from him. But at the same time, yeah, people are, at, uh, are laughing about his, his, his phobiac, his neurotic, and then he, in a way, we, we love him, and in a way, we make a fool out of him. And there's this trouble, troubleness. You mentioned that uh, you seem to enjoy doing the TV work. Do you have an intention to go back to TV simply because of the freedom it allows you? Uh, yeah, I've uh, done some TV, series, TV parts, episodes of a TV series after uh, Terribly Happy. So, yeah, I, I, would, uh, I would love to. And I've just been talking to a company of, to do two parts here in this uh, the spring, so yeah, I, I would I would like to to do it again. And you have no intention, if someone buys up the rights, to come here and screw up your own movie by remaking Terribly Happy, do you? <laughs> I, 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 if, going, if, if Terribly Happy is going going to be remade, I I would be the one to do it because now I think I'm the only one to, to know how to do it. And actually, I think I could, I could make a even better film. Uh, oh, no, don't, don't, it's a trap. Don't do that. <laughs> it, it, don't you I know, have, don't have you know all the other foreign directors who have fallen into that trap? Yeah. <laughs> I know the, uh, the story about that. Yeah, yeah, of course. The, the vanishing, I, the vanishing, and and um, yeah. Night Watch. You know, making you know, ruining exactly. perfectly good genre yeah. thrillers for the sake of no yeah. one. You're right. Yeah, you're totally right. But I don't think anybody else would do it because yeah, you 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 have to be aware of of what's what's the strongest thing I think in, in terribly happy is is the things that not, are not said. It's it's what's between the lines. It's in the and you have to be so aware of what's between the lines, and I think a, a, a different director will not have that awareness uh, towards 
to me, every every line, every line is a is a strategy in this film. They they don't say what they mean. They speak in another in another way. So so you have to figure out what they actually mean by by what they are saying and what they are not saying. And I I think it would be ruined by a director. So let's see what's what's going on. But there there is some uh, we may interest uh, going on. In in Denmark, what are the American films that do break through that are less of the mainstream stuff? Several years ago, the the Danish Oscar they, uh, went to to uh, it's it's called the uh, the Robert. It, it 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 goes it went to the the film Smoke uh, by by Wayne Wayne. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. There's, there's two awards. There's the Robert, which is similar to the... So, but anything recently that you were surprised about or, or that you hadn't heard of and then it came... I saw, uh, I remember the, uh, the last of the real girl. I, I, I think it got voted as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you remember? Oh, I love that movie. Ah, I thought it was terrific. Um, so and, and that's a, that's a small movie as well, and and uh, this it happens. This kind of, of small small uh, films that that doesn't have that much awareness uh, breaks through. And and that did that did fairly well in Denmark. Yeah, it did really. And that director has been since then been sort of buried by some mainstream projects that he did where he was fired from. Oh shit. He worked on a uh, the guy who made, the guy who made The Hangover, um, yeah. Todd Phillips. Um, he made Old School and uh, Road Trip and anything generic you can think of involving frat types. Um, he took over the job of the director of Lars and the Real Girl on on a, a smaller movie, and uh, okay. and and that that pretty much killed the guy's career. Even though it happened before Lars and the Real Girl, it was on the shelf so long. That it came out after, and so he he's been buried by that. In in a sense, I think he yeah. pro- he'd probably like to move to Denmark so he could get more things financed. <laughs> yeah. he can have some uh, episode on the TV series. Oh yeah, I'm sure he would. I mean, here in this country, now I know you wouldn't necessarily know these TV shows, but you have stuff like um, The Shield, which just finished its run, but it's an exceptional show. The Sopranos was the same way, where where major directors would, would do an episode, and it would almost be an honor, even though it's television. And so I, 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 yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm always exactly. curious if, if that happens, but you're saying that it does. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming not quite as much as it does in Japan, where big-time directors then go off and make direct-to-video films, just, yeah, for, yeah. just for fun. Does that happen, or not really? It, there's more prestige in, into making TV series than five or ten years ago, so... Because also because the standard of the TV series has has, has got that much better and it, it has a huge audience in in, in Denmark. So so uh, that, that that kind of she's connected to to doing it with uh, to doing the TV series. But is there is there a direct to video market or is that just for stuff that can't that isn't good no, for no, the theaters? No, all, almost every every feature film made here comes to the to the theaters. Oh, okay. And um, I, I think half of them shouldn't go to the theater, but but uh, it's it's by law. <laughs> by law? Like, uh, Are you? Is, yeah, this, is, is this stuff financed by the government, like like it used to be in Canada? Is that yeah, yeah, we have we have this. What do we call it? Sub, 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 
between something the government pays. We have a cultural department in the government, and they they have to 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 do to put money into to the film business and to to the art art business. So I think we had a third of our budget from the from the government to 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 our film, and and that's that's normal. Does that mean that you have to stay within certain lines of offensiveness because they gave you money? Like you can't say something no, against we, the government or whatever because it's their money? No, no, we are, we are, we are totally up. I'm, I'm, I'm free to do whatever I want to do with the money. If I, if, when I get it, I, they're, they're not putting their fingers. They're no, not they don't have a, the, the paper. There's no artistic influence they have. Just you just got to file your. No, 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 no. No, they they respect the idea. Of course, they there's, there's uh, people sitting reading the 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 scripts and deciding uh, which uh, which script they wanted to, to to support. And and from that point of view, they are they are out of the production. They don't interfere with with it and they don't control it. They're just interested in in that it's it's been been done. And then we're not uh, using the money on, on holiday anywhere. That sounds like the way that big American films are made, except without, you know, in this country, movies are made by accountants. And, and you know, we, okay. all, we all like to think that directors are making the movie, but, but in reality, 90% of the time, it's some guy with a, with a financial degree who shows up to, you know, fiddle with how the movie's being made and what he can cut down and, you know, who he can sell it to and all that kind of stuff. So it sounds like... You have one portion of that where the accountants are reading the scripts, which is funny in and of itself. Maybe there's a movie in there, you know, guys who go to business school in order to read scripts, but that, that you don't have the strings that come with the accountant portion of it. Or are they, are they you know, the people who, who read these scripts, are they film people or are they just people who work for the government? No, no, they are, they are film people. Uh, mostly they are uh, editors, actually, film editors. The, the, the guy who, who edited uh, my film, Toby Hattie, uh, just after he, he, he finished our film, he, he got employed as a, as a, what do you call, a consultant for the government, uh, as one of the guys who, who are reading and giving money for uh, projects. So it's it's uh, it's it's people from the from the film industry that's, going to uh, that sounds yeah. that sounds very clever actually on his part that it's it's like a legal scam where he reads a script and he says we'll make this movie but you've got to hire me as a consultant. Yeah, but but his intention was he he he's a really clever guy and he he he, he said oh I I want to. Be to, to to make my influence on on, on, on the standard of the Danish film. I, I think we have to be uh, we have to make better films now. So I I'm, I I'll go into and and I'll take a turn on on this job and then and, and try to to to, to raise up the standard. Just, uh, to raise, and, to raise, to raise the money, you mean? No, to, to make better scripts. Okay. He wants he wants uh, he yeah, and, and that's why he took the job. Uh, to, to read, read the scripts and to develop better scripts than than James. Uh, so uh, what you said you had some TV work that you just finished. Are do you have any upcoming features? I'm about writing two two scripts right now. Uh, I have two Danish scripts and and development. So uh, so that that's my focus uh, right now.
Actually, next week I'm going to the to the consultant and, and asking uh, for, for, for support for uh, to the next film. So well, uh, maybe you next know what? Week. Maybe his girlfriend needs a part. <laughs> that, that was a joke, huh? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It, it was. It was a joke. Yes. <laughs> okay. I I got that. <laughs>